the thing is, like, I feel like I can always go home to Cape Town. Like, I feel like Cape Town is always my home. I'm Natasha Norman, and this is the Latitude Art Podcast. Zara Kasim is a painter concerned with notions of perception, spatial illusion, and the artifice of reality. She creates her artworks in thin washes of paint that describe dreamlike and almost ungraspable landscapes. I spoke to Zara at the end of 2023 in the midst of her return to Europe after a long post-COVID hiatus in South Africa. Hearing of her lifestyle of travel and adventure with her young family was surprising and inspiring. Her dedication to her work, despite the challenges of her life, offers a fresh look at making art from a space of instability and change. For Zara, beauty and inspiration is drawn from new experiences and moments of uncertainty. Welcome, Zara, to the Latitude Art Podcast. So we're, you're calling in from Spain at the moment. Yes. Okay, so, Spain. so that's where you're based now. I mean, I know you, you're you South African um, and you've studied here in, in Cape Town, but you... You're now based in, in Spain. Well, actually, I'm kind of, so I'm actually moving. I'm not really based in Spain. I've been in Spain for six months, but um, I'm heading to France. I'm, I will be based in Paris from Monday. Oh, wow. So I'm, it's a big weekend for me. I'm moving again. Um, yeah, I, I lived in Paris for five years and then went back to Cape Town during COVID time. And um, my husband is Spanish, so now we've been back in Spain um, sorting out paperwork and admin, and then um, we are making our way back to Paris on Monday. Wow. You <laughs> moved to Paris quite soon after you finished studying, studying didn't you? Or were you? Exactly, exactly. So I moved the year after um, I graduated, and then... Um, and then I was there for five years and planned on being there, but then went back to Cape Town um, for the art fair. And then COVID happened and it was more intense in Europe than it was in South Africa. So we kept pushing it, um, being like, oh, we'll stay in Cape Town longer. And I was actually pregnant. And then it just um, got too late to, you know, I couldn't fly back anymore. So. I went back three years later. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going back exactly three, three years. years later. Yeah. So Paris is really your home. And you've, I mean, I know you've been on the other art fair. You've shown on the other art fair there. And so. Exactly. Um, yeah, Paris has been my home. Um, but I haven't been there in so long. And my our apartment with all our things um, is still there because we were planning on going to Cape Town for like a few weeks. and. Um, just kind of left with like summer luggage and left all our winter clothing and everything Gosh, in the apartment in Paris. So yeah, we just kind of abandoned ship and I'm so excited to go back. Gosh, that's almost in a way COVID made you a kind of temporary refugee in a sense. Like, you know, you just literally had what was in your suitcase. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I am from Cape Town, so I was with my family and okay. everything. It was great. And I had children and um yeah in that time I had two children Amazing. so so yeah um I was the just situation about your your work is 
is largely about perceptions and the kind of imagined landscape. So in a way, your life has really reflected those kind of realities, like being in one place, thinking about another, like living in Paris, thinking about family at home, and then coming home to family and thinking about a life you just left in Paris and then living in Spain I mean, it's it's all like these landscapes exactly. in between. And also with no specific like deadline or plan, you know, so there is a plan. There has been a plan to go back to Paris, but we've been, you know, kind of seeing how the situation goes and what makes sense. So it's been like, um, you know, we might move next month or next week or let's see what, what happens. And it's been like that for three years. And wow. even in Cape Town in the past three years, I've lived in so many different places because we kept renting places for like a month two months you know three months and then um being like okay we're going to leave after this and then things happened and we had work and we just kept pushing it and pushing it and paperwork and my husband's paperwork and the same thing with Spain we arrived here thinking we'd be in Paris in like two weeks and um paperwork and um, it's just been, it's actually been a, such a such a great experience because the situation can change so fast at any moment and there's no specific plan. We're just kind of going with the flow and seeing um, seeing what happens. And I feel very fortunate that my children are still young, so they aren't at school or anything. There's, um, you know, they can just tag along and go with the flow with this this kind of lifestyle. Amazing. And you've been so productive during this time. I mean, I think quite a few artists without a sort of stable working or home environment, you know, might freeze up and not make, but you've been, you've been really busy. Yeah, I've been really busy. Actually, I think that's kind of my, like in the chaos of everything, I really actually find like calm. Um, That's one thing that is constant is my artwork. And the fact that I can actually, you know, just set up studio, um, wherever I am and have something that I have to do. I think that's very important for me to have some sort of, um, I wouldn't say routine, but something that is constant that I keep going back to, um, you know, it almost it gives me like a sense of grounding in that space because it's at least I have something, <laughs> you know, something to do. Something and, anch- anchoring. Um, it also gets anchoring. Exactly. And and especially doing uh, while well, doing that in different countries, um, it also really gets you feeling local in the place and integrated, you know, looking for art shops and art materials and framers and stretches and shipping options. Um, yeah, kind of just, yeah, it gets me integrated into the place. Um which has been great. That's amazing. It's amazing that you you've embraced the situation as as one for for embracing new communities. I think that's lovely. Yeah. And how has it affected your work? I mean, I'm sure the colors being in different places, your your palette must have changed. Have you noticed that at all? Or yeah, I think so. And also, um, obviously, there's a difference in materials um, that I use. So the paint is the same, but the the space that I'm painting in is very different the spaces and um sometimes they're small spaces sometimes big open spaces um the actual canvas and the paper is different so because the surface the surface is different i don't know just um 
that kind of change and I'm I'm enjoying it actually. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it because it's almost like, you know, I don't know what to expect. It's like something happens, I have I have a week to do it or whatever. And when I start, something new happens and then it's exciting and, and it gives me like opportunity to kind of play around and um and figure it out. Yeah, in a sense, you know, you've got nothing to lose. You you have to embrace the moment because you could be in another space or, you know, this deadline's looming. Exactly. So it becomes something to embrace and 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 play with. So do you find your works become exactly. quite led by the materials then that you can get hold of? Yes, I, I think so. I think definitely because I usually paint in very thin thin layers of paint, so with a lot of thinners. Um and and then the surface area, the surface that I'm painting on shines through. Yes. So the mark making changes according to that. Um and yeah, it really does depend on the canvas and obviously also the the atmosphere and the mood of the place that I'm in. Um, I mean, I've just been in a very long summer in Spain. Yes. Um, so I guess, and yeah, it's been like 46 degrees. I'm in the south of Spain. Oh and it's October, it's autumn. And, and last week, last in the weekend in Sevilla, it was 46 degrees in autumn, um, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's been summer. So I guess my color tones of the palette has also been very like bright and bold and lots of um, pale light yellows and sun and kind of reflecting the mood of the the energy of the place I'm in. Yes, it looks beautiful. I, I mean, I've seen some images on on social media with the the Bogan Villa, and it's like, is it a little stone house that you're staying in? Yeah, exactly. So my um, we're at my father-in-law's house, and um, he lives in the old city in Granada in the Albaicín, and it's these cobblestone streets where I don't know, like a thousand-year-old city where you can you can cars can't fit in the roads; they're so tiny. Wow! And like, you know, they still have horses around and carts and things. Um, and yeah, it's kind of very medieval, but very charming as well. All the buildings are white made with the old old stones and, and very wash. small spanish village exactly exactly wow and then you're going to change that for the the hustle and bustle of paris exactly for the big city um and <laughs> we're actually driving we bought a car so we're driving and kind of figuring it out as we go yeah it's a big adventure with the two children in the car and packing our things and I mean, we are landing in Paris at our old apartment um, where all our things are, but it's a very short-term situation. And um, we our plan is to look for something larger in the countryside location because a tiny, tiny apartment in the middle of a city with two boys isn't ideal. No. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. In winter. In, yeah, so we... Um, we're going to, yeah, exactly. We're looking for a place. We're just going to see what happens. Look for a place in the countryside. We have no idea um, where or what. Or we have a car and we're going to drive around and see see what happens. Amazing. And then um, <laughs> in between all that, I mean, I've seen you've had a show at at Loop Street in in Cape Town, yeah. um, or Loop, what's ninety nine on Loop, and 
when did you do your your clothing range? Because you also had a clothing range that you launched with Pick and Pay. That also wasn't too long ago. Oh, yes, exactly. So I did this, um, I think that was 2020. Yeah, I think it was last year. The clothing so range. It was over, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was over 2021 to 2022. And um, it was a collaboration with Pick and Pay, um, like a limited edition designer collection. And was kind of this corporate collaboration, which was very interesting for me to work with a big team and in kind of a corporate environment um, and to see how you could reflect your creativity in that kind of space. Um, usually I'm very used to working on my own and you know feeling free to do whatever. But with that, it was very interesting. There were a lot of limitations, a very specific brief for the pick and pay clients. Um, and yeah, it was a great opportunity. I it was it happened during COVID as well. And I was in Cape Town and I saw this opportunity and I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm going to try it out. Why not? I've always been interested in clothing yeah. and fashion design. And uh, I saw the men. Gavin Raja and when I was at high school I actually interned for him okay um because originally I wanted to study fashion design and um and then I thought oh wow what a great opportunity so I entered the competition and I got through and um I got to work with him again and the whole pick and pay team um and it was something I thought I could just, you know, do, see what happens. And, yeah, it was a great, great experience. I got to kind of figure out digital artwork creation. And I learned a lot of new skills with that. Um, so was that the first, I mean, it's interesting that you you had this little passion for fashion and then, sorry, for the alliteration, and then you went into the more sort of fine art stream. Um was yeah. this the first time that you'd sort of taken your painting back into a print form for this collaboration? Um, yes, it actually was. And funny enough, like it was actually what the result was actually completely different to my painting yes. and my painting style. Um, I think I almost took it as an opportunity to try a completely different style. Um, so it was quite graphic and bold and you know, graphic shapes. It wouldn't I think if you saw the print that we, the result of the print, you wouldn't say, oh, this is, um, Zara I don't know, Zara, yeah, it's like the same as my painting. I think I took it as an opportunity to do something, you know, to experiment and go completely out there. Do you find that that bolder style has come back into your paintings or do you just see it as two totally different practices? I think it has come back. I mean, it's so funny because I think this happens subconsciously when you're looking at things and, images and colors and you know you don't even realize but you look again and you see you've used the same colors or mm. you know it's kind of things imagery that has been on your mind so I think it has kind of reflected into my work and I think from there I started um, working on works that are a bit more figurative and I think that also kind of freed me a bit in you know, getting stuck doing the same composition and the same landscape format that I'd been working on. So I felt a bit free to just, you know, go forth trying new things. Yeah. 
So it's interesting that that, that collaboration, I mean, it, I've spoken to other artists about how collaborations um, often do free them from a, a way of working that that is a kind of fruitful play back into their practice. Do you think you'll do um, any more fashion collaborations? Is that something you'd looked for or...? Yeah, I, I I would love to. I definitely would love to. But I think if I did it ne- the next time, I would do do it quite different. I mean, I think if I if I did do it, um, I would like it to be more personal and actually work on trying to figure out what my visual aesthetic is. I don't know, trying to translate that and getting the right balance of um, so that you can see that it is my work. Yeah. You know, something a bit more authentic to me. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. something else that struck me, I loved the title of, of one set of your works. It, it had the word mango in it. Do you, Was that a Salon 91 exhibition? You said something about the... Oh, so it was actually called Mango Farm. Mango Farm, that's it, yeah. The show was called Mango Farm. And um, it was basically, I was kind of looking at imagery and of mango farms in India and kind of this lost, also this distant view of a place, mm-hmm. viewing, you know, looking, working with perception again um, and kind of looking back at my personal history, my grandparents, well, my grandfather who comes from India and has memories of um, our family having mango farms. Wow. And I mean, through apartheid and everything and moving to South Africa, I mean, the kind of the family history is completely lost. And my my grandfather has kind of lost touch with the family, can't even, um, well, he's passed away now, but couldn't even remember his, you know, grandparents' names. And even, yeah, there's my family's surname was changed um, in the apartheid regime yeah so Kasim actually wasn't wasn't the the surname originally so all of that has been lost and then it was kind of trying to look back into my heritage and where I come from and you know a reality that exists only in stories and um things this reality that you kind of create for yourself based on things that people have told you. So I was looking at this kind of romantic history of a mango farm in India. Okay. And kind of trying to romanticize these stories um, and building up my own kind of history, which is, um, yeah, very, yeah, very, like, very sweet, um, a very sweet moment. Yes. Um. And then to move more to your more recent show was about being in that dream state of sleep where, you know, landscapes that happen as you have your eyes closed. Exactly. Um, so again, all these things are, you know, the relationship with the landscape and things around you. Um, I guess it's all, you know, perception and these spaces that exist and the fact that exist in our lives and the fact that you know, we create these spaces. So it's almost like when you are awake, you are actually asleep and these things are happening and it's like a subconscious reality of space and things around you and almost almost as if you were asleep and in a dream state. Yeah, and in the way that you, you were talking about the mango farm, you're also constructing your daily identity 
in an active or dreamlike way, from fragments of narratives, from images you've seen. It's a bit like dreaming, um, dreaming a reality into being. And it's and like a dream, it's maybe not fully formed and a little bit fragile and um, and a bit hazy around the edges. Um, and I think your work really exactly. speaks to that. It sort of encapsulates that that moment of something coming into being. So I'm curious to see where where the work will go next. I mean, because now you're manifesting this new way of being. You're living in this this sort of um, European life. Um, with two South African children who are going to be growing up speaking uh, French, I imagine. Um, exactly. Well, I mean, like at the moment now, learning Spanish and, um, yeah, learning Spanish uh, in Spain and then moving to France. And I guess we will all have to figure that out again. Um, and I don't know, I think also like I've started having children has also been a shift and change in my practice. Obviously I, I'm, I'm with, because of the kind of lifestyle that I have, I'm, I'm with them 24 seven. So I'm, they are with me when I'm making work, making my artworks and um, also kind of assist and get involved as well. So I feel like a lot of the artworks have now become a bit more abstract. And then when I do get the chance, the opportunity to work alone, and then I tend to go for very detailed, figurative artworks. I start creating very detailed, figurative things. But I've also started, um, you know, getting a bit more physical with my artworks. And um, I've created large paintings in the same style as I was before. But then I would, um, you know, rip them up into strips and reconstruct them and stitch them back together again. Um, yeah, that, that's quite, so a, kind of quite started a sort of doing strangely that. violent act to, to rip up a painting. I know, I guess it also comes from like, you know, being not frustrated, but when you do the same thing for so long, um, and I, I think I've, I've created so many paintings in a very similar style. Yeah. And, you know, I've, at some at times I felt a bit stuck, you know, like where do I go from here? And I've been trying new things and then it has just felt a bit freeing, you know, like, you know, to kind of collage the artwork back together again. So to rip it apart and then put it back together in perfect order. Yes. And then create a new landscape. And it still kind of has the same feel. But obviously, um, yeah, the act is very violent, ripping the canvas apart, but stitching it back together again and, well, that's you know, kind placing of feeling... it as I feel it should be. To, exactly, exactly. To, to stitch something back together is a form of reconstructing and healing. So, uh, yeah, it, it's somewhere between those yeah. two acts, perhaps. I don't know. Yes, yeah, so I think now it's kind of going between... Um, you know, actually, like really constructing my own reality, and you know, like taking that um, those dreamlike images and then putting it in order the way I feel it should be. So there's an agency and, implied. Yeah. So you're not at the, as opposed to going through the world and absorbing these abstract sort of moments. Like maybe having children has put you in the space of agency, where it's like actually I can. I can manifest it. Exactly. I think I think so. Um, yeah, and it's felt really like 
I love I love doing it. I really enjoy doing it. We enjoy doing it together. And just the sound is um the sound is brilliant. And as you rip canvas, I don't know if you've ever ripped it. Yeah, I'm sure you've ripped a piece of canvas or fabric. Yes. And um, you know, just like has this perfect clean line and um with the thread of the canvas and it's yeah, it feels great. And to put them back together again in a way that is um you know, I kind of jumble them all up, all the strips, and then try and put it back together again, but obviously not in order. Yeah. And it creates a new picture. So it's almost like, you know, creating this puzzle that you don't um you don't know what the outcome is going to be. So again, a return yes. to a much more material, you you're kind of at the whim of the material in a way. Um, the way it exactly. tears and how you will, will work with that. Your work has been steadily moving into a more material realm. I see you've also been doing, um, f is it frescoes? I saw one of your works was like a, a stone. When I was in Paris, I kind of studied like traditional fresco oh. artwork. And I, I really wanted to like figure out how this works. So I, it's something I've been working on for years, like trying to figure it out. And it's actually really complicated to yes. get the, you know, the, the pigment set into the to paint into the wet plaster is so difficult especially um if you're not going to paint in that um you know with those traditional cartoons that they would draw in the renaissance and just like pull in the colors yeah try and like blend your colors yeah so if i finally managed and um for me it was just a big achievement um i created some for the art fair this year and um but I, it was the artwork that I spent the most I'd spent the most time on yeah it was just a big achievement that I finally managed to figure it out they have a beautiful presence um when I saw them and I thought they were were a really fascinating translation of the what appears to be quite a loose fluid gesture in the paintings you still had that in the stone and somehow, because, well, I mean, it's plaster, but I read it as stone. And somehow for me, there was like a yeah. jumbling and a collapsing of time in that something yeah. so gestural was now being cast literally in, in stone, in, in a kind of plaster. I thought that was a very interesting yeah. shift for you. Yeah, I think also um, the thing that attracted me to the fresco and the plaster was the fact that it is this, you know, ancient technique. Yes. And as you chip it away, if you chipped into the art, the painting, it would still be there because it kind of sets in and is absorbed by the stone, into the stone. So there's a permanence there, whereas perhaps on the canvas and the paper, there's an impermanence. Exactly. Um, and there's a, a, a contrast between this kind of fragile and you know, very fragile artwork with the paper and the canvas and then this stone that could last forever, um, you know, even if it was chipped into, it would still be there. The image would still be there after the layers and layers of, of plaster and pigment soaked in. Um, so I think that was also very interesting to create kind of like a piece of wall. Um, yes which is what I tried to do, that um, had an image that would be, you know, really archival.
Amazing. So it's also about this this uncertainty or this this fragility of of creating a, a landscape or a scene or or a moment that's given, and it's that fragility that's given permanence by that piece of wall. Exactly. I, you know, I just was thinking exactly. often one puts permanent things into stone, whereas you're trying to put something that's exactly. impermanent into stone, which is quite interesting. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Kind of set it in stone. And also, yeah, to just create this, um, like a full space, you know, I would ultimately want to create a full space where you have the a massive fresco and painting from wall to ceiling, you know, kind of a very like immersive world where you could be immersed into this like dreamlike realm. Yes. Um, you know, this blurry, hazy, yeah, I would love that. I would love to create something like that. Um, what do you imagine that would create in the viewer? I mean, is so in a sense, it's creating a space for dreaming, for the viewer to dream? I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what that would do for me, like to be in the space. I think it's just something, an experiment that I would love to, you know, a place that I would love to put myself in. Yeah, I would love to go into a space where um, everything is um, yeah, a completely like immersive space of art, mm -hmm. which would, I think, make you feel like retreating into yourself because it's so overwhelming um, to allow a space for reflection. And then, yeah, I was saying the other day, um, something funny happened to me. I was putting my children to sleep in the dark room and I could see the crack of light around the the door frame. And I could see it with one eye. And, and then I closed my eye and I realized I couldn't see it with my other eye. And then I kind of panicked for a second. And I thought, is there something wrong with my eye? Why can't I see the light with my other eye? And I kept like, closing my one eye and opening the eye again. And when I closed the one eye, the eye that I could see the light with, the room was completely dark and I couldn't. And in the end, I realized it was because there was a wall in the way of it was blocking the light from that <laughs> eye. But um, but just in that, like, in that moment of, like, complete darkness, I felt this, like, panic and, like, kind of lost sense of, like, orientation. And I got a bit, like, disorientated because... You know, it was completely black, completely dark, and I couldn't see anything. And but my eyes were open. Yes. And I felt like, you know, to be in a space like that, it's actually such a liberating feeling where you kind of lose sense of space and place and time. And in this dark space, your eyes are open and anything could you know, then it opens your mind to possibilities, like anything could be there, you know. Um. But it's, it's almost fueled by fear. So some people's reaction is panic. Um, and like you said, you did panic a little. But it's like once you can move through that uncomfortable, uh, the, the fact that that is an uncomfortable feeling, there's a possibility for freedom. Exactly, I think so. I think once you move past that uncomfortable feeling, um, there's definitely a... Uh, yeah, possibility for, well, it's an endless possibility because then it's just leaving it up to your mind and and actually letting you, uh, you're being confronted with this reality that you create without kind of boundaries in between. And to become aware of that, I think, is something very interesting. 
Yeah, well, it, it's in a sense, it's about moving beyond, you know, we live in a world with so much visual information, so much societal constraint. And what I hear you looking for in the way you create work is a freedom um, for exploration and for imagination. Exactly. And I think also, yeah, like creating a space of like, of quiet, you know, when you move past that point, um, it seems almost as if it's this quiet space that you can now, um, yeah, you get the sense of freedom, this quiet, dark space where you're not overwhelmed by all these other things happening and, you know, kind of distractions in the way or like an unveiling of what is inside. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I look forward to seeing. Um, I really do hope that somehow between your trip to Spain and Paris, you know, this ability to manifest a, a, a room of frescoes um, happens because I think it's, you know, we do not know what we will feel until we are in that space. Exactly. And um, I have a, a very exciting, I have a, a show coming up in Cape Town, um, a solo show again at 99 Loop. And that is something, I mean, it will be after Cape Town Artway. Um, so immediately after the Artway, so I think in March. And um, my plan is to create this kind of, I would like to work on kind of creating an immersive space in one of the spaces um, and seeing how that how that works out. Well, I look forward to it. And it'd be marvelous if it happens in Cape Town first. Aren't we lucky? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Zara, for your time um, and for phoning in from from Spain. And all the best for the trip to Paris on Monday, you said, is the big move. Yes, thank you. Um, I have an exhibition that I'm doing in Burgundy. So I will be going through, driving through France and driving through Spain to France to get to the exhibition and then Paris and then we will arrive at home um, eventually. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and a weekend of, a week of art events and also, um, yeah, seeing some amazing artists work, which I'm really looking forward to. There are so many incredible, um, yeah, global artists and one specifically, Dawn, Dawn Ng or Dawn Ng, um, a Singaporean artist who also creates these incredible immersive spaces. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing her work in real life. So she, yeah. she'll be on the show in Burgundy with your work. Yes, yes, she will be on the show in Burgundy. Um, I have a few small paintings, but I think she is doing um, has an installation in this um, in the gardens of a chateau somewhere so yeah I'm it's like a, a really big project that she is doing but I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing these works in real life sure Zara you, being have, able a, to you have a very romantic life I, and I must say you have a bravery <laughs> um to embrace the un, unknown and and things that are uncertain um I must commend you on it it's it's been fascinating talking with you about your approach to life and art making and and I wish you all the best with all your future plans. Thank you. Thank you very very much. Um yeah it's like ups and downs are always as yeah anyone would have it but I mean the thing is like I feel like 
I can always go home to Cape Town. Like I feel like Cape Town is always my home. My parents are there, my family is there. And, you know, with all these things, I feel like, you know, you don't know if you don't try. So even, yeah, like my husband and I, like kind of being a bit broke and on a mission with the two children, figuring it out on this side of the world, doesn't feel like the end of the, the world. You know, like we are, we won't know if we don't try. So we're just exploring and figuring it out as we go.